Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to FS Changemakers, where uh, which is our weekly property where we talk to amazing women who are doing amazing work in their own fields. Uh, today we are joined by Shivani Dillon. Uh, Shivani is an ex-journalist. Uh, she spent close to nine years working with BBC, Z News, and Aaj Tak. Uh, today it's a role reversal of sorts where I'll be the one who will be interviewing her. Uh, uh, after her stint as a journalist, she's uh, been pretty active in the Down syndrome community in India, where she's been running an online support group for uh, parents who have children uh, with Down syndrome. Uh, and off late, she's been uh, doing online storytelling workshops as well. Uh, it'll be a fun conversation. Uh, Shivani, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Adarsh. Thanks for having me. Um... And it's, it's great to speak to you after so many years as well. <laughs> yes, uh, for uh, the others who don't know, I actually uh, worked with Shivani for a brief period while I was running my own startup. And she was kind enough to help me in putting uh, together a calendar where we uh, had you know some amazing artwork uh, done by uh, children with special abilities uh, you know, in the form of a calendar. And I think it was a great experience, at least for me personally. It was a great platform. I mean, children were happy because, you know, that, that was a great way to, to showcase what their talent is, really. So that was brilliant. Cool, cool. So you started working at the age of 19. Uh, how was that experience like? And in retrospect, do you feel that it was a bit too early and probably if you it started a bit late, it might have been better for you? Well, I, I think... Um, it just came by chance. I mean, it wasn't like I was a very ambitious uh, person and, you know, like I wanted a huge career, but I, I was still in the middle of my graduation and Z News was kind of looking for um, news anchors and people to, you know, star in their production houses, all their soaps, which were starting at the same time. This is 1999. And um, I came from a middle class family where my parents said that, you know, we'll allow you to go for the news anchor, allow you to go to Bombay. You know, news anchors were supposed to be very a very respectable job and nobody needed a mass communication in those days. So I went ahead, the interviews happened here uh, in Chandigarh, three rounds and well, I was selected and I was 19 and a half. And I moved to Z and I moved to Noida all by myself. Uh, no regrets actually, because um, I learned so much on the job. It was so naive and so fresh and so... We didn't, we hadn't seen the outside world. So um, it was fun and we met some wonderful people. I mean, I, I must say that we were, I mean, I met people who helped me to progress in my career, in my profession. There was never a time where I felt that this was a big bang or anything. So a wonderful experience, yeah. Great, great. Uh, so Shivani, uh, one thing interesting that I noticed is that you worked with Archthak when the channel was just starting out, right? And whereas Z, both Z News and BBC at some level were still established names, right? So how was that experience like working for a startup channel versus more established names? Was it any different? Not in those times, no. From Z to Arch, that wasn't much of a difference because, um, see, Z was an established channel, but it was the only channel. It was the right. only news channel apart from Doodarshan, private. And Arch, that, you know, there was an, we had heard of the news, but it uh, not, a, not as a 24-hour channel. So they were more open to new things than Z was, slightly more open. And, uh, you know, we were fresh. We, was, we were picked up from Z and... Um, 
so yeah, I mean, Aajtak was a bit different in the sense that they were more open to new things, doing new programs. They were more, they were focused on metros as well, not just the national news. So that was a bit of a change from Z to Aajtak. But uh, people were more or less the same. You know, journalism wasn't, wasn't a huge field at that time. Uh, so you spent eight or nine years in the media industry in India and then uh, in the UK. Uh, what uh, what made you uh, you know quit and uh, you know on to the next phase of your life? Uh, so Z and Archdak, you know, we worked very long hours. We you know there was uh, early morning shifts. We had to be in office by three thirty in the morning, uh, very late nights, and we were young. Uh, so, you know, timings were never an issue for us, no family or anything. So we worked long hours, but that kind of took the energy out of us. Um, uh, I mean, four years in, with Z News kind of <laughs> sucked out my energy. And I wanted a break. I wanted a break. And I'd only done my graduation. And, you know, you're a middle class family, your parents, you know, um, kind of want more than graduation. So my dad always told me, Kuch or you know, just have another degree. Uh, on your resume. So uh, I, and I said, you know, why not a change of place as well? So I wanted to, I decided to go abroad and that's why I moved to London to pursue my master's degree. And when I reached there, I, uh, you know, immediately within a month, I joined the BBC there. Because I already had some experience. So on a student visa, you could only work for a stipulated 16 hours per week session. So, and, you know, you had to earn and study all of that. Uh, so yeah, we I mean the opportunity, but it was the BBC was uh, radio, and I had always worked with visuals, so it was a complete contrast and and a, and a challenge initially, because everything is about the voice and about the sounds and about what you write, you know, the words that you choose. So it was a different experience, yes. Uh, and then what made you quit BBC and then decide to come back to India? BBC, I worked, I, I used to travel, and then I got married, and I had um, our firstborn. Um, he's now 14, nearly. When he was born, he, uh, he wasn't a very uh, well child. He was quite ill. He had a severe skin condition, and he used to stay awake a lot at night. I had to travel, and I remember mm, my last travel, I came from London with him and I to Bombay for a documentary. And I went home in Chandigarh. It was just three days. And when I came back, I saw his skin had all flared up and, you know, in his eyes and his face. And I decided I'm not going to do this anymore. So I, I went back and he was nearly a year old. I went back, I finished my documentary and I put in my papers and I said, I can't work because he needs me. And I wouldn't sleep at night and going back to work. And he was considered like a special even though he wasn't um, a special needs child, but his needs were so severe and so so much in, uh, at that point of time. Uh, and then what led to the decision of moving back to India? Because here you just quit your job, right? Then eventually you moved back. Yeah. So we, um, uh, in 20, this was 2007 when Aviraj was born and following in 2010, we had our second born, uh, Shreya. Um, and Shreya was diagnosed with, uh, with Down syndrome. We were in the UK at that point of time. And um, our first one year was very difficult because we were in and out of therapies. We ourselves as parents were trying to understand what exactly is the diagnosis, what, what, to, what to expect really in the and how best to take care of her. Uh, she had some health as well. 
And um, as the year progressed, my husband was working, I was still at home. And uh, I realized that my daughter was only speaking to the three of us during the week, not even the three of us. I and mean, by the time my husband returned from work, she would be asleep by eight. And it was only on the weekend that we socialized. So abroad, you don't socialize during the weekdays. You just see each other on the weekends. And I said, you know, I mean, compare this situation to India, you're surrounded by people. That's what India is all about. I mean, you, you coming in and out of your house, you know, so many people walking in and out. And I said, you know, that's something that Shreya really needs right now. Um, and we, we just, like we decided today, others, and within 25 days, we were in India. That, that's, how, that's how we, we moved. And I really have no regrets because I had my side of the family here, my husband's side of the family. We live in a joint family. And that has been such a great boon for her because she would interact with so many people. It helped her speech abilities. It helped her overall development. So um, very happy to have moved back. And, and I know a lot of people still asking, especially special parents who are actually trying to move out of India. So, you know, I, I move back you should have been there then I have to explain that sometimes you know you really have to weigh the positive and the negatives and it's not so bad in India after all great uh, so uh, Shivani before uh, the move to India happened right so you mentioned that both your kids uh, had uh, some special needs uh, while uh, you know growing up so did uh, how did you deal with it emotionally did you ever feel by me uh, you know uh, because both the kids uh, had their own uh, special needs uh, early on so uh, with the older one I think I was it was all very new I was a first time mom you know I was dealing with apart from the fact that um, we were a parent now you know I was the mother now that was uh, that that wasn't so difficult but I think physical of uh, dealing with Aviraj was very, very tough because uh, sleepless nights, scratch, he had, you know, I remember we had to make him wear wet clothing, a special type of clothing, just to keep the moisture in his skin uh, intact. And I had to spray water on it every three hours, putting cream on him for three hours. So it was very physically exhausting. And um, so, I mean, I never said why me, because uh, I think that so I, I think on some level, I believe maybe uh, I, I was spiritually inclined. It's a very cliched word now, but um, I, I used to pray. I mean, I do pray a lot and it that helped me. My prayers helped me deal with it. But when Shreya was born, um, I remember that it was the first, the, the moment that the doctor first mentioned this to us. Um, I always knew others that there was a risk actually. Uh, the doctors had mentioned to us in the UK and there were tests that were um, in place to give us a you know, 100% surety of whether it is there or not. But I think it was a conscious decision that we took, we wanna have our baby, you know, irrespective of um, what the baby has, the diagnosis. I mean, it's still our the, she's still our child. And so we decided to go ahead with it. Confirmation after she was born. I think I, that was probably the only time that remember shedding a few tears and I uh, quickly um, you know gathered myself and I you know googled everything and you know all of that happened and of course it took time deep down it took a little bit of time but um, the acceptance came very early which I think helped me to deal with it and I think it helped my daughter as well to develop because the more 
the the longer the parent is struggling to accept the diagnosis the child is is um, is suffering as well right because you're not able to give your 100% to the child uh-huh. so it was emotionally a roller coaster initially but um uh <clears throat> you you don't have any option really do you you have to accept and you have got to move on yes makes sense uh so uh, shivani how were the early days being back in india right so you mentioned that uh, there was the entire family structure but at the same time the amount of awareness with regards to uh, intellectual disabilities or down syndrome uh, especially 10 years back would have been you know much lesser than what it is today and it's not very high right now either uh, so how were those early days and then what led to you setting up the entire you know online uh, help group for all the parents etc So when we moved back, you know, when we were in England, uh, you're very pampered, right? So I remember going to my doctor in the first doctor would ask is, "How are you feeling, Shivani?" And then she would come to share. So my well-being, my emotional well-being was equally important. We were thrown into the deep end when we moved to India. We didn't know anything. Nothing was online. I mean, nothing was online those days. Remember, and I. started going to each and every doctor so i would choose a new pediatrician every time i would leave my number and i would say that if you know a pet you know please share my number this was all private then i started going to the big hospital i had what i got i did was i printed out lots of info leaflets in three languages english hindi and punjabi and because i read and write all three and i wrote my number at the i said contact me need help or because i was equally wanting help it wasn't like i was so ready to provide that help and support i was looking for it as well and i left it in all the departments where i knew children with down syndrome to go and i remember started getting calls and i remember my first call from a parent and of course we are still very good friends but that started the online platform i realized with my friend with that particular parent of how important support is for each other online seemed to be the best platform because people were good and people were putting in you know asking for information from google and nothing was there so that's how this whole page uh, kind of started up uh so shivani as you know that uh, you know i've done a bit of work not a lot uh, in the intellectual disability space and one thing as an outsider i always found a bit intriguing was that within the community as well there is a lot of conflict uh, you know i would say difference of opinion with regards to what are the right words to use whether to call special abilities intellectual disabilities and you know and so on for an outsider how do you make sure uh that you are not hurting someone uh, you know while not uh, meaning to because it, like there is so much you know difference of opinion on what's what's right what's wrong very interesting question and i uh, i have struggled with this answer with some of my uh, fellow uh, travelers as i call them uh, you know for uh, the term is not important you know i cannot negate uh the fact that my daughter has a disability i call it differently abled diverse needs uh challenge um or a mental disability that doesn't change the struggle the challenges that i and she are facing on a daily basis the problem have is um you know the 
which is not coming from the society. First, struggling with that acceptance. Acceptance will only come when we project our child to be either differently abled or talented or uh, different, having different types of talents. But the moment we will not able to do X, Y, Z, there is a fear of not being accepted. See, there any is not being accepted by this society, right? They're not being included to the mainstream. It's only you know, कहने की बात है कि mainstream inclusion है. There is not much inclusion on the surface. Deep, deep down, there still is. So we feel very scared that if we start talking about our challenges and 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 the actual disability that our child faces, maybe they accepted at all. So that's why I think the parents kind of get you know so involved in the right kind of terms that can be used, but they are not we call the neurotypical. They are not. I mean, you and I may be challenged in uh, small things which doesn't interfere normal lives, but children with special needs, children with intellectual disabilities, face challenges every day. The sounds affect you, right? Um, not just the sound, the textures of things can affect you. You can't have an eye contact to talk to people. I mean, this I'm talking about different types of disabilities. You know, with Down syndrome, my daughter may have problems in running for more than five minutes if she had to. Understanding if there's too much of information overload, she goes blank, right? She, can't, um, she may not be able to write because her, uh, she doesn't have stronger muscles in her hands. These are challenges. This is a disability no matter what terminology you may use. And I know that every other day I see a new term being used. Uh, you're called last year in December. And instead of disability, a lot of people were slashing the dis and writing ability only, you know? I know, I think this we do for ourselves as others, you know, we want to feel good. You know, there's, there's a little things that we want to comfort ourselves with as parents. But it, because the challenges are there. So, uh, Shivani, as you mentioned, there are obviously a lot of challenges and it takes a lot of faith and love uh, to be able to go through these challenges. What keeps you motivated and optimistic? Because whenever I've seen you, you're smiling, you're, you're a happy person. How do you, do you achieve that? Uh, so, a uh, very important I think for me personally has been my personal growth after Shreya. Uh, so a lot of things don't matter anymore. I look at the very, the things that were very trivial before are the things that bring joy to me now. You know, uh, Shreya understood my one sentence today. You know, that is like, wow. Or Shreya uh, understood the three step instructions that I gave her today. Okay, wow. You know, that day she asked me, what's the meaning of her name? I mean, I was thrilled to no end, you know, that, her, that she was able to understand and ask that question. So I was really thrilled. So these are, these are the little joys. So we've, we've, come to, we've come to a point where we find joy and happiness very in life. And it's Shreya who keeps us going, you know, as a family. I mean, she's so affectionate. I mean, there's no malice in her. There's never going to be any malice in her heart. They are so pure. And also she has pushed me to connect uh, more with the higher, um, you know, the dimension, the universe, God, 
or you know whatever we may call call it but so that connection has grown stronger with shreya because of her so that's what keeps us going <laughs> and that's so amazing to hear uh so shivani coming to the latest chapter of your life right you you're now portly auntie to all the kids uh, where you are doing uh, storytelling <laughs> sessions how did this start and how's the experience been so uh, lockdown uh, was difficult for us because to close down our, our business so our only source of income um but you know there's always we don't understand the planning that happens right above right we never know what's what's being planned for us but in the lockdown while the business had shut down completely the only source of our income had shut down i started doing a lot of videos during lockdown this was again mainly for parents got children with special needs i would share a lot of um, you know anecdotes from my life my own experiences um and i started getting good response you know even started connecting to what i was talking about and then i don't know from suddenly from there um, while i was telling stories of my own life from my own life i don't know just kind of door to to telling stories to children as well somebody contacted me another parent and you know she said let's do some stories i said all right another friend said let's do some uh workshops on traditional art and craft i said yeah let's do that let's do it with a story uh with a folk tale and before i knew it this was july and uh before i knew it i was working with uh three ngos i was doing i, I was doing sessions i was working with children's websites and um and i saw the impact others it has on uh, children and young adults with intellectual disabilities they had been um so we heard all some parents their children had really benefited from the lockdown having parents around all the time i heard from other parents who said that lockdown been very difficult because there was lack of exercise children were not leaving the house they were getting very frustrated but storytelling was therapy and yet it was a lot of fun it was a interaction you know i use i'm very music and singing so we include we use that as well in our stories and they started connecting they started expressing they started having emotion they started understanding difference between feelings and emotions you know and how to express themselves so it's it just happened by fluke i mean there was a, a, a solid plan behind it which i didn't know but um, i'm very happy i think i've uh, found my true calling as they say you know it very happy i had always used to my daughter adarsh um whenever i had a challenge with her behavior i would change this that into a story and i would see her eyes focused on me and she was intently listening to me and i would see a change right after telling her maybe telling the same story twice so i used the same concept with children uh, who had diverse needs again and it worked very well that's amazing you know always in challenges we find new opportunities and sometimes that's all that you know life wants us to find uh so uh, there are uh, you know a few questions that we uh, have uh, from the audience uh, so i'll be taking those now uh, so we have the first one from ojaswi uh, where she's asked what is the positive impact uh, your experiences have had on your life or the way you look at society in general so i don't have any um, ill feelings towards the society at large though the i lack of compassion a lack of empathy sometimes but i think that stems from ignorance you know i i think 
maybe if I never had a daughter with Down syndrome, I wouldn't have been so involved in the in in the cause as well, and I wouldn't have known what it what it means when when you find the child banging his head in a mall. You know, it's this frustration that the child has for not being able to communicate his his uh, thoughts. So um, I do feel that the society needs to be more open to uh, accepting our children. We, you know, the other parents who have children with neurotypical uh, children, they, they feel that, you know, there'll be some bad impact. There'll be some bad influence. It doesn't happen. You know, your, your child would be a human being once they start interacting with children who've got diverse needs. So um, that's, uh, that's for the society. But I think in general, as a person, I have changed, yes, 360 degrees, you know, completely after Shreya. Um, I've become more humble. I've become more accepting. I've become, I take one day at a time, you know, definitely as it comes. Uh, so, yeah, and I, like I said, uh, she's connected me to something much more higher now, yes. Uh, so the second question that we have is from Ashish. And he says, how did you get the name Portly Auntie and was what does it mean to you? <laughs> okay, so... Um, when I started working with um, a friend of mine who has uh, a company many years back called Portly A Bag of Wonders, and she focuses on uh, Indian traditional art and craft. And when I started working with her, I said, you know, we had to come up with a name. I, I was teaching um, traditional Indian art and craft, you know, from different states, and I would weave a story into it, and that's how I would teach. So I said, I need a name. I that's how Portly actually came. So I'm Portly Auntie. I come with a whole Portly full of stories. But that's not the, that's not the name that I'm uh, you know, known, known by Miss Jibber Jabber because I talk so much. Um, some children who find Jibber Jabber a little difficult to pronounce, they call me Shivani Auntie. Uh, all ages call me Shivani Auntie. I have 40-year-old uh, people with uh, disability also calling me Shivani Auntie. <laughs> So I think first time I'm loving being called Shiv auntie <laughs> in my life. <laughs> yeah. So these are just kids calling me with different names. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So uh, Shivani, that's it in terms of all the questions that we had uh, with regard to you specifically and the work that you do. Uh, but, but before we end, we'll like to do a quick uh, rapid fire. So these are three standard questions that we ask in every uh, interview that we do. What are your top five wardrobe staples uh, that you need to have at all times? Uh, linen shirts, uh, kurtas, um, cotton trousers, cotton pants, straight pants, uh, uh, and jeans. Yes, wouldn't do anything without jeans. <laughs> cool. Uh, who are the three Indian women you look up to? And preferably alive. Hmm. Say Sudha Murthy. Well, I have my mom. I can't forget her. My mom, my great uh, support. And um, my grandmother as well. You know, my grandmother, because she would tell us so many stories. And that's how this whole, the, the seed of storytelling was put inside me. <laughs> Good. Uh, so the final question, uh, what message would you like to give to the audience out there? Because uh, we'll probably be talking to a lot of people who don't have enough context about Down syndrome. 
you know, anything in particular you would like to take them away uh, from this conversation uh, or anything else that you would like to share with people? So Down syndrome is not a disease. It's not a disease that uh, people who are living with Down syndrome are not suffering. So it's not a disease. It's a condition. It's a part of them, part of their identity. It's who they are. And only want what you want. Just love, acceptance. Some to just stop and pause for just one moment and say hello to them. They don't want too much of your time. They really don't want anything of you, you know. Just want you to say hello and, and smile. And not, and not the moment you think in your heart, what's wrong with them? They instantly grab that. Give them love. And also surround yourself, surround your, your young ones with stories. Because stories is something that, it's like a doorway to something that and not just children, I think grown-ups, you and me also need that from time to time. So that's that's what I would like to say. Yes. Both Thank of these you, things are important to me in my life. Yeah. Thank you, Shivani. It has been such a pleasure talking to you uh, after a long time. Uh, but you know, it was phenomenal. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Adarsh. Thanks a lot.